Quad 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts. It's Are You Not Entertained? Now here's your host, Ed Nathanson. This is a segment I like to call I Know Kung Fu. I Know Kung Fu. And why do I call it I Know Kung Fu? Because occasionally on the show, as you've heard, I talk to some of the best in the world at employer branding. I don't settle for the second best or the third best or the fifth best. The best. And I am pumped to have today someone I really admire in the world that I operate in. Um, He's worked with some small companies you might have heard of, like Apple or Continental or Blizzard. Uh, you know, just one of the best out there. He's the CEO of PH Creative, a company out of Liverpool, but worldwide with presences all around the world and with me working with companies all around the world. His name, he is not the singer, but the legend and employer brand and marketing, Brian Adams. Welcome, 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 Brian. <laughs> Good to be with you, Ed. Jeez, what an introduction. Thanks, pal. <laughs> well, I, I don't do that for everybody, as you know. Um, <laughs> so one of the things I pride myself on when I interview you know, luminaries such as yourself is that I'm not going to go down the bullshit path of, tell me about how you got started, Brian. No, we're going to get right to the stuff that we care about right from the very beginning, which is what right. I care about, which is, all right, what are your top three movies of all time? Oh, do you know, it's such a difficult um, question to answer. You know, I was thinking about this. Um, I thought you might ask me this. Okay, so I've got a few curveballs here. Um, do you know the, the first movie I'm going to name is um, is Donnie Brasco, the most underrated. Oh, yes. The un- un- crime movie, um, gangster movie of all time, I think. It's Johnny Depp that plays an amazing role. And Al Pacino is just at his best. I just think it's fantastic. Brian? That movie is vastly underrated. I am a huge, yes. I am a giant, yes. Here's the crowd. I'm a giant (laughs) fan, giant fan of that movie, especially the epic scene where Johnny Depp does the many different meanings and intonations of forget about it. Hey, can I ask you something? What's forget about it? What is it? Forget about it. It's like uh, if you agree with someone, you know, like Raquel Welch's one great piece of ass, forget about it. But then, if you disagree, like a Lincoln is better than a Cadillac, forget about it. You know? But then, it's also like if something is the greatest thing in the world, like Mingiro's peppers, forget about it, you know? <laughs> but it's also like saying go to hell, too. Like, you know, like, uh, hey, Bully, you got a one-inch pecker, and Bully says, forget about it. Forget about it. Bully! Forget about it. <laughs> Sometimes it just means uh, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> Great choice. All right, what's the other two? Okay, so um, you know, I thought you were going to ask me about um, um, favorite album as well. And actually, that's I've coming got, next. Got, that's coming next. Okay. Yep, that's next. Well, I've got a combo for you. Okay, okay. 1986 Highlander with uh, Christopher Lambert. Uh, Sean Connery and Clancy Brown, and the the album is just electric right the way through. It's um, Queen kind of magic, and it's just at one point I could recite every single word of that movie, and it's just one of my all time favorites. It's the only Christopher Lambert movie worth watching <laughs> in his entire career, but it's it's magic. It really yes, is a kind of it, magic. It is, it is, and that's Sean Connery and his Sean Connery ishness at his prime, at his prime. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Spanish awesome. Peacock, as he calls him. 
Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, and what else? Okay, so I was I was torn. I was going to go with a few good men, but actually, I'm going to take the I'm going to tell you the truth, possibly the embarrassing truth. Yep. Um, and it's what women want: Mel Gibson, Helen Hunt. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my my producer Dave is shouting no, you know, like Mendoza. But I, well, I you know, will say that I like that movie. I do. <laughs> the thing is, it's a classic hero's journey, you know. So, I'm a big Joseph Campbell fan. I love the agency, the ad agency sort of life, and all the rest of it. And the Nike scenes are cool. But more than that, um, a man getting to know more about what women want and how they think. From a psychology and strategy and a persona mapping point of view, it's the ultimate superpower for me. So it's I'm geeking out, you know. So, yeah. That really so makes a lot of sense. What a great reasoning behind it. And you know what? Well, Mel Gibson rules. I know he had some run-ins and some, you know, some political guffaws lately, and he might even be borderline anti-Semitic. And as a Jew, I hate to say this about him, but everything he's in, I've enjoyed. He's, he doesn't. He doesn't make a bad movie too often. Um, no. Even though I'm sent, I'm sensing from the studio that the um, <laughs> I possibly should have gone with a few good men. <laughs> <laughs> You're forgiven. <laughs> yes, you've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. Awesome. No, I love it. And those, you know what? Knowing you, how long have I known you now? Five or six years. Those were least, those yeah. were ones I did not expect. You've always got me on my toes. All right. You let you let you alluded to it earlier. The next question I have for you is top three albums of all time. Yeah. So um, as I say, I was tempted to go with uh, the Highlander and um, Kind of Magic combo. Yeah. Um, I've got a few actually. Um, one that you may not have heard of is Ocean Coliseum, Mosley Shoals. The album's called Mosley Shoals, and it's Ocean Coliseum. No. A, what kind of tunes is it? Is it rock? Is it is it jazz? What is it? It is. It's. It's. Um, it's. It's like. Uh, it is rock. It is a, a rock album, but um, some of it's slow rock, and it's just got a distinct sound, and it's fantastic. The best song, the Riverboat song, is just notorious. It's really cool. Really cool album from the late nineties. Um, so that's that would be my number one, which I thought would be a lesser known. Um, a class, a classic which might be more um, familiar in in the UK and Europe is Oasis, cigarettes and alcohol. Yeah, I mean, he's playing it right now. Do you hear it? The ocean, the riverboat song. We like it. I'm digging it. He's got it up on the screen here. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah, cool. Man. Yeah. Um, All right, and go on. And then, your, your other one. So I'm gonna a bit of a blast from the past. I'm gonna say uh, David Bowie's um, Ziggy Stardust, yes. the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. It's yes. just amazing. Yes. You know, when you listen to that, you can hear suede cast Oasis, Sex Pistols, Bon Jovi, Oasis. Like you know, they, they all must have sort of taken from from his influence. You know, it's just a classic. Yes. So I gotta say, all solid choices. I'm gonna check out that that other one there that I hadn't heard of. I'm actually going to uh-huh. go, I, you know, I, I don't trust many people's opinions, as you may know, but I do trust <laughs> yours, so I'm going to go check it out. I'm going to go check out Ocean Color Scene, the Riverboat song, and listeners, you should too. If he likes it, I guarantee it doesn't suck. Um, I will say this, though. Being and hailing from a certain little place in England called Liverpool, I am shocked, uh-huh. distressed, maybe a little, you know, uh, put aside, that there was no Beatles reference. 
Well, you know, Revolver's got to be in the top five, top ten, but uh, I thought that would have been too obvious, to be honest. Right? Okay. I like where you're going with that. You know, screw <laughs> expectations. See, Ed, I was rooting for a Spinal Tap. So I, thought, <laughs> I thought the Brit would come through with uh, the phony uh, British band Spinal Tap. Right. Damn it. I should have said that. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome, Brian. That that's great. And like I said, you you threw me some curveballs there, and that's that's what I love about you. So so let's get into to talking about you know some of the world that we do, and what that is for anyone who doesn't know is employer branding, recruitment, marketing, and it's become you know what my business is all about. And I've actually, for full disclosure, partnered with Brian on a few different things over the years. Um, but I, I'll say this uh, to get into the discussion that we want. You know, we both have been around the block for a while. Um, we still look young and awesome and buff and really diesel. <laughs> but besides that, you know, we're also people who have seen a lot of trends come and go, a lot of good, a lot of bad. So I guess I want to start with Brian. In your mind, what makes a really good kick-ass employer brand? Well, that's obviously a big question, but, yeah. um, you know, what I'm seeing at the moment is planets aligning and sort of the world really sort of focusing in on authenticity. And I think, um, for me, it's, it's, it's living out an authentic truth, which goes beyond telling authentic positives and strengths, benefits, opportunities of a brand. And it's being open and honest enough to own the full truth. So including the harsh realities, um, the gaps, the weaknesses, the vulnerabilities, you know, the, um, the things that are, you know, undone and left to do, you know, because ultimately um, the reason Glassdoor was bought for a billion dollars is because, you know, could it be people don't find the full truth on career websites, you know, and I think it's time that brands owned that whole truth, um, you know, and, and give candidates what they're looking for in terms of, you know, will I belong? Will I make an impact? Do I have purpose? Do I have what it takes to succeed? So the clients that we work with in our approach, you know, we encourage brands to very much lean into um, the, the harsh realities, et cetera. You know, and what we find is instead of using employee brand to attract more people, if, if you use it as a smart filter to repel the many and compel the few, you know, and galvanize an internal audience, uh, but polarize an external audience, for me, that's what makes a world-class employer brand. There's no question. You know, it's, it's one of those things, it's, it's like, I feel like it's easier said than done, because everyone, mm. you know, in a marketing world, you know, wants to be loved, right? And, yeah. and that's the hard part. But, uh, you know, I've, I've said this quote to you, but I'm going to say it now because I think it rings true. As a, as a major geek, and by the way, I'm going to say as I preface this statement, Game of Thrones this season was great. Shut up, everybody. I loved it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Go to hell, here. Exactly. But anyways, um, there's a Tyrion Lannister quote that I've said to you, Brian, and I know it rings yeah. true to what you're saying, just to put an exclamation mark on it. He said this to Jon Snow, episode one, season one. Let me give you some advice, bastard. Never forget what you are. The rest of the world will not. Wear it like armor, and it can never be used to hurt you. And I think that kind of backs, an, as I said, an exclamation mark on what you just said about authenticity. And sometimes, you know, the halls aren't paved with gold. And everyone isn't holding hands and singing Kumbaya. You know, there, you know, and again, but the best brands in your world, and you said it, are the ones that do just that. So, Brian... Yeah. You know, another part that I think you and I have kind of had a Vulcan mind meld on for years, but I don't think is a very understood or appreciated element of any good branding, you know, whether it's employer branding or recruitment marketing or anything, 
is that it has to be entertaining. It, that, you, know, <laughs> you, know, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I've heard you talk about it in the past, and I think it's fascinating. But I just want to hear you. Yes. That's the question I ask every episode. <laughs> so, 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 Brian, tell me about that element of content in particular. Yeah, so I think Robert McKee, the great master of story, says it, says it best. He, um, he says, if our brain was hardware, then story is the software we run to make sense of the world. Um, you know, and basically we think in stories, we make sense of, of the world in stories, we rationalize what's in front of us using story. You know, so if we use the mechanics of story uh, to entertain an audience, you know, by entertainment is, you know, um, essentially it's occupying your mind um, and forgetting the passage of time. You know, that's, that's basically what we're trying to do, really sort of immerse people in it. We, we have to use story and we have to take the approach to entertain people. You know, it's, it's not enough to get someone's attention these days. We have to create affinity. You know, the, the biggest uh, holy grail is, you know, to connect on an emotional level and, and story is the way to do that, you know. So we're a big believer in storifying, um, you know, the brand narratives. Um, and, you know, in order to sort of heighten that experience, you've got to use, uh, you know, the emotions available to you. You know, nostalgia is a big one, um, but humor and fun is probably the biggest outside of anger, which I wouldn't recommend you use for your employer brand. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, you know, it's so funny. I mean, because you and I've had this discussion just, you know, in, you know, at a dinner table or at conferences where we've talked about, you know, the humor and heart and entertainment and all that goes into it, you know, especially in a world today where it's just content overload. And I, and I know you agree with that. You know, every company is out there just content, content, content. Individuals are content, content, content. If I see another walking and talking or sitting in your car video, I'm going to throw up. Right. <laughs> but the reality, <laughs> but the reality is, is that, you know, in the sea of noise, you know, it's the, it's the stuff that, that touches emotion that stands out. Now, Brian, if you're not aware for listeners has a podcast of his own called getting goosebumps, which I've been, a, had a pleasure of being on, on one of the episodes. And I love that term. It's a book that they've written their firm, you know, about getting goosebumps. What inspires that emotion in people? And, you know, even in the stories that you mentioned as far as movies or even music, there's something unique that doesn't necessarily appeal to everybody, right? How do you find mm -hmm. that voice, Brian? How, do you, how does someone, a company listening, a practitioner listening, how do they find that voice that stands out in that sea of noise and is uniquely them? Yeah, so it's a really good question. Um, and basically, it's a very simple answer. You've got to work harder than you've ever worked before to really understand your audience and understand what they appreciate, you know, what motivates them, um, you know, what are their priorities and preferences. And, and you've got to write a story narrative which, you know, touches on all those points with absolute empathy. And the hardest things in the world to do um, which is why drama is represented by these two things is make somebody cry or make somebody laugh, you know, and you can only do that if you really know what, what moves people and, um, you know, and, and how to, how to connect. So you've got to work super hard to understand your audience. And now it's even harder than that because if you produce something for your entire audience, you're probably not going to connect, um, you know, 
very well across the board. You know, so, so now we do persona mapping and um, and write stories to connect with segments of audiences, so we can create even more of a bias towards you know leaning into what they appreciate. But you know, it's it's hard work and it's understanding story arc. You know, so you know one of the biggest things with story is without adversity and friction, there is no story. You know, so we were talking about the harsh realities earlier, you know, understanding the challenge and what it takes to survive and the pain points and the frustrations and the challenges somebody's going to have. They're, they're, they're the key building blocks, you know, for, for creating a story, whether it's a humorous scenario or it pulls at the heartstrings. You know, there's some of the building blocks you've just got to know. Yeah. You know, it, it's so great to hear your perspective on this because, you know, I came up through the recruiting in HR world. You did not. Mm-hmm. Right. You came yeah. up from a from a from a much different kind of perspective. So where do you see like and let's be honest here. I want you to call bullshit out here. You know, be brutally honest. Yeah. Where do you see like that kind of background falling down and where do you see some things that maybe you've learned from that background because you've worked with a million of them by now? Yeah, so <laughs> it's interesting because um, we we use what what we call the the money ball strategy. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's a movie reference. Um, yep. And we hire people. We only hire people out of the out of side of sector. You know, we want different people thinking because we're looking at an industry that's been doing the same thing for years and years. And I think that for outside looking in, that's sort of bizarre. I still sort of consider myself outside looking in, but. Um, We've got an industry obsessed with tactics and numbers and process. Um, and we need to think as an industry more strategic and human and long-term um, and more experienced rather than, rather than process. You know? um, but there's still big brands out there that are hitting the top of employer brand lists um, who haven't got an employer brand. They're riding on their consumer brand. No question. You know? Yeah, and and we know because we're working with some of them. You know, they're at the top of the list, and we go in and you know we do an audit, and they, they actually don't have an employer brand. You know, so one of the biggest bugbears—I don't know whether this fits into answering your question or not—is the adage of how to measure em- employer brand. And again, as a sort of recovering marketer, nobody's asking the question how to measure brand in the marketing and the consumer world. <laughs> you know, it's. It's it's way more sophisticated down the line than that, you know. So we've got to get past some of the, some of the bullshit out there, and drill into what's really worth dialing into in terms of moving moving the needle on uh, taking a, how to take a business uh, further towards its its strategy and its its vision. You know how to add actually add value, add value to the business. And it's okay to say we're doing this for business purposes. And how do we add value to the employee to enrich their employee experience? You know so. They're just some of the sort of little frustrations and observations, you know, we constantly see. Yeah, I, no doubt about it. You know, it, one of the things I think that people forget in the market that we're in today, because, you know, let's face it, you know, unemployment's at an all-time low, at least here in the mm-hmm. States. I can't speak for England. Um, and there is, you know, everyone wants and dipping into the same pool. But I think I think employers forget the whole adage of what's in it for me with their branding. Mm -hmm. And I think that Mm -hmm. they're putting out what's in it for them. You know, it might be entertaining. It might be fun. It might be touching. But I don't think they, a lot of companies answer the question of what's in it for me for their target audience. Any just, I know this is a huge question, but if you could give out just a pointer and say, how do I even begin to answer that question? How would you go about that? Well, we have a simple mechanic um, that we call the, the give and the get. 
um, in, in our sort of framework and our philosophy. And um, a simple example that I use is we were in a very large uh, corporation a few months ago and we were just distilling the research and replaying back what we heard. And one of the major insights was there was absolutely no work-life balance whatsoever. And when they said, what should we do about this? Our advice was, let's go to market and say there's, there's not, very work, not very much work-life balance. Mm. Like, well, well, we can't say that because people will leave. You know, and, well, obviously they won't leave because they already know because they told us. You know, um, but wouldn't, wouldn't you rather people knew that than they join the disgruntled, then they leave after six months, which actually the evidence points to that's, you know, that's happening a little bit as well. But, yeah. but the funny thing is the people we interviewed that thrive in that organization – when they work 12, 14, 16, 18 hour shifts sometimes, do you know what they do when they go home? What? They carry on. Yeah. They carry on working because it's what they love doing, you know? So it's about finding people who are living their passion and, and people who thrive in the six circumstance or conditions that you have and the people out there. But, you know, if we try and, if we try and attract the masses to that situation, then we're not going to win. So lean into the harsh realities, be very honest and open about it, and then be open and honest about what you expect. Here's, here's what's on offer for you, but here's what we expect, demand, and need in return. And that very open and honest value exchange, you can't argue with. Right. You know, and then you don't, you, know, you don't feel the need to go on Glassdoor and check that out if you own the whole truth. And for me, that's what's missing. A very clear give and a very clear get. I love, I love that answer. If I could pick up that answer, kiss it, and tuck it into bed at night, I would do it. <laughs> I would do it. <laughs> Good night, answer. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> good, 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 good. Okay, so so let's. I, I want to take this down a different path now, and I, I don't want to make you uncomfortable, Brian. So I'll say it. Um, but we we both have been on the on the the circuit of conferences over the years, and there's so many fucking conferences in our world, <laughs> right? And yeah. I'm I'm someone who, when I go to hear a speaker. You know, yes, I want substance, absolutely, but I also want to be entertained, and and I, I just have to put it out there, I, I find myself bored to tears, like literally, like gouging my eyes out and slicing my wrists open, and three quarters of the conversations or presentations I'm part of. What my my question in a long winded sort of way is what can these conferences do better? And a lot of them are good. There, are, I don't want to say all conferences, but what can they do to make them better for practitioners, for people to not only learn but to be entertained? Well, I think it's I think it's a really good question, and it needs it definitely needs addressing for a lot of these conferences. I think the first thing is they need a little bit more um, balls around saying no to sponsors, droning on at an audience you know, because they've paid. You know, just because yes. you've paid money doesn't mean you, you should be the one on stage yep. pretending to offer value, really just flogging at some sort of kit. Um, and actually, um, for people like me and you, sometimes we're put in the vendor box and it's like, you know, we're not seen um, for, for what we are in terms of, you know, the value we add to the industry. So, you know, that's just a, a sort of personal gripe. But for me... Um, the last sort of three or four conferences I've done, I've spoke for 35 to 45 minutes with no slides whatsoever. Ooh. And, yeah, and, and actually, I've, you know, I'm not blowing my own sort of trumpet, but I've, I've given the, some of the best talks I've ever, get, uh, ever, ever given. I don't know whether they're any good or not. Yeah. You know, but, um, 
the, the certainly the best because it made me really think how I'm going to tell stories, engage, interact, and add value to the audience. And you know, it really dials my my focus in when when doing that. I think you know, all too often people sort of you know to death by by PowerPoint. And the, the other thing is the employer brand industry is relatively new, so some employer brand managers in their role are still learning. Um, you know, so I think you've got to try super hard to find people who've been around um, for long enough to, to add some value to, to the audience. Right. You know, and um, so, so it's, it's, a, it's a tricky one. But I think sometimes the best talks I've ever seen at some of these massive conferences are squirreled away in, you know, a little track, um, you know, round, round the corner with 50 people in the room. And then when you get in, into the big auditorium with 2,000 people, you know, it's a it's a big brand with a big and not a lot of um, ingenuity or creativity or um, anything new to show. Right. It's like, you know, let's put the person from Google on stage and talk about the struggles they've had to attract talent. Give me a well, fucking be, break. Be tough for them, right. right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Seriously. I couldn't make the like, you know, the the obscene hand gesture that I can do in the studio right now uh, for people <laughs> to see. But that's what I do um, when I see that crap. So, so you know, to that end, um, you mentioned it's such a new industry. And I, I'll tell you, a lot of the clients I work with, you know, the people that I end up working with specifically on these projects, it be, starts to become their job later on. What would you say to someone who wants to get into this world now, how do they become the next Brian Adams? You know, how do they, how do they go do and get into this world that's literally exploding? Well, I wouldn't wish that on anyone, to be honest, being the next Brian Adams. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I'm a great believer of just jumping in and getting your hands dirty and, and learning with good old-fashioned hard work. And I think um, if you can work in an agency or work in a brand volunteer for you know doing the work and if if you're lucky enough to be part of a a design and build of an employer brand from the ground up you know attend every single workshop every every single um working interactive session um do all the research be there on the, the photo shoots and all that kind of stuff and just as absorb as much as you possibly can the other thing is um yeah, every now and again, I get people reaching out for a little bit of mentorship and and, and a bit of advice. You know, I'm just an, an average Joe doing this stuff, but I always I always find it difficult to say no. This industry is extremely friendly and it's community driven. Um, so I would say reach out um, to people um, and ask for help and advice and mentorship because more often than not, a lot of people say yes, which I think is is a lovely thing to see, especially in the US. I've got to say, lesser in the UK and Europe, unfortunately. Um, you know, but but then once you're in this space, um, I wouldn't just go to employer brand conferences and all the rest of it. I'd still go to inbound, a content marketing world and social media marketing world and, and make sure you're looking out of sector for, you know, what cool digital interaction things are happening or read psychology books or, you know, study stand-up comedy for storytelling and all of this kind of stuff, you know, and, and, and keep learning. This is a thing, this is a type of thing where you can just learn and learn and learn and learn and just... And, and challenge yourself. Uh, and if, what the beautiful thing about this is if you've got something interesting to say and you've got something valuable that will be a value add, it's a fantastic community to offer something up and you'll get judged on what you bring, not how long you've been doing it. Yeah. You know, it's funny uh, that first of all, awesome advice, but second of all, like I, I would just, I agree a hundred percent. I would just add to that, that there's a lot of people out there talking, but haven't done 
and I would just be wary, be, be wary of those people. You know what I mean? In, in their social oh. travels. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to name names, but uh, I'll say it. Um, you know, so again, like, yes, uh, I couldn't agree more on that. All right. Video. Video mm-hmm. is clearly the, the, king of the king of the kingdom right now. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And it's only getting bigger. Uh, video also, I mean, if I have to see another one of those persons standing in front of a wall with the cheesy music saying, I love my job because I'm literally going to smash the screen into a thousand pieces. <laughs> Nobody yeah. gives a shit. All right. So to that end, you have started a production company, your own video <clears throat> production company, which I have used and can recommend highly to anyone considering doing video out there for your companies. It's almost like a full-on studio like you would see in the big world. And I was so impressed in just doing one we did recently with Cisco, seeing how you guys operate. So to that end, Brian, video, if you don't have the capability to use a PH creative, you don't have the budget to do it, how can I make a good video that's going to be effective? Yeah, so um, first of all, before you pick up any cameras and start shooting people, because um, usually if, if, you, if you just jump into it, you typically end up with the talking heads and the, the, the boring stuff. Yeah. Spend, if you've got any budget whatsoever, spend it researching your audience and find out what they really like and what they're interested in and what turns them on and what turns them off and all the rest of it. We've never done an employer brand project where we haven't found pure gold in terms of stories. Um, but, but now I think there's a great opportunity to, um, to write mini series of, of, um, of, of content, come up with something that's episodic, that's a repeatable format. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time, but make it interesting and, you know, ask unusual questions or, you know, ask your audience to do something and send their video into you and edit it together or just do something which is, which is different. And then look at the, the formats in which you put content out. So we're looking at, um, interactive stuff 3d uh, uh, cool. 360 degree video and that kind of thing portrait video um we're, we're doing more and more because people like to look at videos on their phone and use the full screen it's a simple one to do um you know so the more creative you are with the concept and the, the idea um the less anyone cares about the production values um what i will say is if you're going to do video focus on the sound more than you focus on the um the uh, quality of the actual screen. If the sound doesn't work, then that's where you lose, lose your audience. Other than that, you know, be creative. Do something different. It's not just about the work. It's about the human behind the work. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right. I'm going to start winding down here. Um, and while I do that, uh, I wanted to give you, I'm going to, again, I want to upend the interview process here. So notice I didn't ask you about your parents or what you did in the past or all that. Um, although <laughs> if you want to get that, go to some boring ass show, not this one. But Brian, <laughs> now I want to be subversive and turn the tables. Do you have a question you've always wanted to ask me? Yeah. Right. So if you're wondering Ooh. about my arms and why they're so huge, it's a lot of pumping iron. But that's, there's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> so you've, you, for me, are one of the most creative brains in the industry. Oh, thank you. Um, so, so my question to you is if you could do any sort of project, video, or any sort of piece of content without the constraint of a brand, what would you do and why? 
Yeah. Oh God, that's an awesome fucking question. Okay. Um, so I would I would go down the sci-fi route. As you know me, I am the geekest of geekiest people there ever was. And I would want to do something like literally out of this world and do something that would put it in fantasy and be be sur- you know surreal almost in how we do it. And why I would want to do that is simply because I think that it would be really different. And if it's not sci-fi, then I'd want to go down like really hardcore airplane Zucker Brothers type comedy, which I think there's also a huge need for. The, the videos that I've found that have performed best that I've had a part in creating were funny, right? And not everyone thinks they're funny. Cool. You're wrong. But the people who loved it, then they thought it was hysterical and it really stood out. Um, so there's, there's, there's my answer to that. All right, Brian, in closing, before I give you a chance to, to talk about PH Creative a little bit, um, mm-hmm. I have to ask the question that's burning on my mind and on everyone's mind who listens to this podcast. It's the Uh-oh. question that's divided houses, the Hatfields, McCoys, good versus evil, light versus dark, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars, every time. You win. You win, my friend. I knew I liked you. I knew I liked you. <laughs> right on. All right, Brian, tell everyone where they can find you and PH Creative. Yeah, sure. So www.ph-creative.com. Um, or if anyone's listening and has any reason to reach out to me, it's Brian with a Y at ph-creative.com. Just email me. Or you can find me on, on Twitter at um, at Brian underscore PHC. Brian, you are the man. As I said, I don't have many people on the show for a reason because I think most of them suck. You, however, are not one of those. You most definitely do not suck. The audience uh, loves you. I love you. I say, and, and get a kitchen roll out of the kitchen. Go put the mockers on something. I'm trying to use British slang here. <laughs> have some bangers and mash, some tea and crumpets. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day, my friend. And I hope everyone got a kick out of hearing from one of the true legends in our world. Thank you, Brian. Cheers, Ed. I've really enjoyed that. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Until next time, my friends, check me out. Instagram, at Ed Nathanson. Twitter, at Ed Nathanson. LinkedIn, Ed Nathanson. My website, redpilltalent.com. And until next time again, I will ask, are you not entertained? 